Good morning and welcome to the Path Forward Utah. I'm Jamie Renda, your host, and just want to give a shout out and a happy birthday to former President Barack Obama. And how would it be? How would it be to have a big birthday bash in your $12 million mansion out at Martha's Vineyard with your 700 friends flying in on their private jets? Uh, Of course, you know, they're all vaccinated. They're all these upper, you know, highly intelligent individuals that uh, uh, can mingle together and somehow not spread coronavirus amongst each other, which, you know, I I got to thinking on this last night. Well, first, I want to just give Megan Kelly a a major shout out. Uh, So I I thought, you know, where's, you know, Megan Kelly, what happened to Megan Kelly? And uh, so I think first, let's go back to her just getting next at NBC and uh, on her defending, not she did not dress up in blackface. I want to go back on this. She just defended someone and said, what's wrong on Halloween wearing blackface? I'm not going to defend or or justify or anything else what her comments were on that. But uh, she ended up getting let go because she was saying, you know, what's Halloween? You know, we all dress up as, you know, different things. And and even uh, wearing blackface doesn't always mean you're trying to impersonate a black person. Um, I mean, there's multiple different costumes you might wear blackface for. I don't know, but that's what she got let go of. However, there's multiple people that actually wore blackface, like the governor of Virginia, uh, the prime minister of Canada multiple times. I mean, the list goes on who are just the darlings of the left. And uh, so I think Megan Kelly has just had it with the hypocrisies. And uh, and so she even came out and surprisingly seemed to be a supporter of Donald Trump in 2020. Um, but I think she finally had it uh, with these hop- hypocrisies. And she put out a tweet uh, yesterday and says, don't let them shame you out of anything. Your 70 degree living room, your SUV, your stake, any of it. These pathetic, dishonest, virtue signaling hypocrites, and uh, so I, I and, and then she it, anyway on this because what happened here? I mean, John Kerry, and now they're saying you know John Kerry didn't fly in on his private jet that he has a home there, but uh, he flew in on his private jet. Uh, the people at the party were maskless, you know, and. Uh, so the whole, you know, we'll probably get Thanksgiving canceled. I mean, I think of how many people, uh, well, I think of just looking back at my mother's funeral, that we were very limited on how many people could attend my mother's funeral. Um, and we probably were more lucky than a lot of people that we got to have a funeral and we actually had some family members there. I look at how many weddings of people that I know were totally canceled and it was just a bride and groom and perhaps the parents. Um, and how many family members went without seeing their family over the holidays? I mean, just, I mean, I could probably list graduations. My son graduated from high school, didn't get a high school graduation. Didn't get to walk across the stage and get his diploma with his friends. Um, I mean, the list goes on of uh 
us common people, the things that we couldn't do because the government told us we couldn't do it. And uh, but Obama, I mean, it's his birthday and uh, it's important that uh, these, you know, beautiful people like Christy Teigen, who have so much love to share with the world, uh, come out and celebrate uh, his birthday with him. And uh, all these Hollywood people fly from California uh, across the across the United States uh, to celebrate his birthday with him. So anyway, and, and that they on top of that, that they put 200 staff, two to 300 staff members at risk associating and serving all these guests that they had. And it wasn't just Saturday. I mean, the party started Friday. And I don't think it ended until Sunday. People were there for the whole weekend. It was a weekend birthday bash. But at its uh, at its peak, I mean, we were talking probably close to a thousand people uh, all mingled together, all being served by staff. Of, uh, and yet I'm probably looking at my restaurant, you know, having to cut back again, you know, depending on what they're regulations they're going to be putting out there uh, coming up because this Delta uh, variants of coronavirus. So again, Megan Kelly's comments, I, I definitely appreciate that because I think that's where this is coming from. The special people versus the peasants, uh, the elite class versus the common people. And uh, so I want to give Megan Kelly a shout out, uh, you know, there for a while. I mean, on when she came down on President Trump and President Trump, you know, came down hard on her, too. But uh, Megan has came back around. And I think she is like a lot of journalists is starting to recognize where we are in America. So I appreciate Megan uh, taking a stance on this. So New York Times reporter made this comment about Obama's birthday. She said, She's justifying Obama's huge maskless birthday bash because he only invited, and this is her words, a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And it's one thing to say a vaccinated crowd, but no, 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 no. They were a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And uh, so, hmm, I, I just wonder what makes one a sophisticated vaccinated crowd that somehow that coronavirus doesn't know how to mingle among the sophisticated vaccinated crowd. I mean, because we all know that the Delta variant can mingle among those that are vaccinated, but not the sophisticated vaccinated. Yeah. The sophisticated part, uh, they have something, they have something there that the rest of us don't know about how to avoid the Delta uh, and the, the Delta variants of the coronavirus. Um, so you have to be not just vaccinated, but you have to be a sophisticated vaccinated person to avoid uh, this new variants of the coronavirus. So anyway, I just didn't know that part there. So we just all have to understand how to become part of this sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Because I am vaccinated. I just now have to figure out how to become that uh the sophisticated part. Uh, so anyway, on uh, Megan Kelly, just going back and looking at her, uh, I wasn't too disappointed when she got next at the time because I was still 
thinking she had a little bit coming to her, but I do think it was very unfair. Uh, I do think she was used in an unfair way, but uh, I think she's getting some of her revenge. And uh, I hope those of us that were a little disappointed in her originally will give her another another opportunity because I think she's coming back and she's fighting for the common people. She's fighting for the middle class and she's fighting for journalism. So anyway, uh, let's give Megan Kelly a, a second chance. And I haven't done this in a while because uh, we've shifted our name to the path for Utah. And so I want, I'm just a reminder. The path for Utah is the path for America. It's a collection of voices together on how we're going to move our state forward, how we're going to move our country forward. But I want to give a shout out to the Trump-tater today because the Trump-tater is my cute, adorable little character that I don't know what I'm going to do with him yet. But the definition of a Trump-tater is someone who outclasses, outshines, and outperforms, a dependable and exemplary person. So I'm going to give Megyn Kelly the Trump-tater of the day award for her being willing to step out there and challenge the sophisticated vaccinated people that attended Obama's 60th birthday party. Uh, So the Trump Tater of the Day Award does go to Megyn Kelly. So uh, I'm going to jump to a couple of things that happened over the weekend. And I'm going to start in Portland, Oregon. I just don't even, I'm just so glad I don't live in Portland, Oregon. I mean, there's some things you can wake up in the morning for and you can be a little discouraged, but, you know, I think those, you know, you, you, you put out your acclamations or the things that your positive energy. And one of those acclamations you can put is uh, gratitude. I don't live in Portland, Oregon. So anyway, I think if you wake up every morning, just say, I don't live in Portland, Oregon. Of course, if you live in Portland, Oregon, you can't say that. But if you don't live in Portland, Oregon, you can wake up every morning with gratitude in your heart that you don't live in Portland, Oregon. And uh, so make sure that you add that to your gratitude list. And uh, you make sure you say that in the morning and remind yourself how grateful you are that you don't live in Portland, Oregon. Because uh, it would really suck to live in Portland, Oregon. And I thought I had this on one of my feeds. I'm going to have to go to a different one. Just a second here. I switched which one I had it on. Uh, This was a a prayer, another prayer group that uh, was taking place in Portland. And I'm thinking maybe these people might want to rethink having a prayer group in Portland but understand that they probably feel that Portland needs these prayer groups and they probably really do. So I kudos to people who are brave enough to go there because Portland's lost a big amount of their police department and can't recruit. But uh, so Portland, uh, there was a group that was um, having a, they had they were gonna have some music. It was a religious group. They're gonna have there was families out there in Antifa. And what I really found interesting on this Antifa group, not only were they in black block, but this particular group of Antifa people actually had Antifa printed on their hats, on their little uh pull-down uh black uh caps that they wear. And uh so they charged at them they destroyed their medical equipment i mean not their medical their music equipment they sprayed pepper spray at these uh people 
Uh, they threw tear gas at them. They attacked them. They physically uh, attacked them. Um, they stole their food that they were going to serve that day. And uh, they did all this, and there's no police interference. These people were uh, held, you know, were just helpless and on defending themselves because they come in in these large crowds because they're a bunch of freaking bullies. And uh, why we're allowing this to take place, I just don't know. I, I mean, I, I think, um, I don't know, if I was open carry in Portland, I think you should just be a, or rubber bullets or something, just uh, maybe not shoot them, but rubber bullets, something. You see people coming in this black block clothing, just start taking them down um, because it just shouldn't be allowed to happen. And uh, when they're they're encroaching upon your space that you've reserved the right to exercise your free speech and they come up pushing you around and uh, throwing your equipment around, pushing you and your family around, hurting your children. And there's just zero accountability. So Portland, the police chief, who happens to be a black man, um, was being interviewed on this. And he's just basically saying, you know, the politicians um, you know, just have given the police department no support. And so you can't even hold the police, you know, accountable. I mean, they have thrown their police under the bus on, uh, when the police have tried to break up different things and they have filed charges against different police, um, that have tried to break up riots. And, um, so anyway, I don't know. I just hate to live in Portland, Oregon. So anyway, just, you know, when you wake up in the morning, just uh, that's one of those things you can think of every morning is I'm just so grateful. I don't live in Portland, Oregon, you know, maybe other places in Oregon, but one of my podcasters that I've given some kudos out to, and they're liberal, they're from Portland, Oregon, but I think they have been fighters and that's the dark horse podcast with Brett and Heather Weinstein. I don't think she goes by Weinstein. But uh, her name's Heather, but that's his wife. And they were professors at the Evergreen College. And why they moved from Washington State to Portland, Oregon, I just don't know. You think, you know, they would have woke up and why move to Portland of all places when you're when you just uh, left a very woke spot. But uh, anyway, that's where they moved to uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Uh, Governor Cuomo. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we might see something happen on Governor Cuomo. And because uh, this top aide has resigned, these women are speaking out publicly. I'm still in the back of my mind going, why? What is this about? Why are they coming out publicly? Is there something more to it? Is there another story that's about to be, uh, that's, that's out there that's getting swept under the rug and that they want this story to take precedence on the news coverage. What is it about this story? Because it's not making a whole lot of sense on why the story's coming out there. But I mean, I hope that maybe we're going to see some justice for these women. Um, because it's Democratic women that get to me the biggest shaft because um there's nobody who will stand up for democratic women when they're uh, sexually harassed and taken advantage of by these powerful democratic men. 
So I I hope that uh, that something happens here, and that we see something take place, and and that Governor Cuomo is probably just going to be a token example of that. Hey, you're gonna you better watch out because this could happen to you. But it's probably not going to be an example that we'll see across the board because we've seen so many that uh, have been allowed to continue in office and not suffer any ramifications for their inappropriate and oftentimes illegal activities. But maybe this will be one that we'll see something happen on. And I think, I'm not for sure, but I think I saw somewhere that his lovely brother is not on CNN right now, that he's taken a a little break, but uh, maybe, maybe I read that wrong, but uh, I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, it's like killing two birds with one stone there is that I get rid of two Cuomo's at one time. Um, So we're going on a cruise in December and we're excited about it. We go on a cruise every year and we try to go on a cruise every year. It's the one time that we can feel like we're one of the sophisticated vaccinated people and uh, maybe we're not, but I mean, when you go on a cruise, you can feel like you're one of the special people. And so my husband gets pretty excited about going on a cruise. And so he's, he's been a little butthurt about people not getting vaccinated. Not so much that he cares if somebody's going to get vaccinated, but he was a little bit afraid that they were going to mess up his cruise by not getting vaccinated. And uh, so our cruise leaves off of, uh, out of Florida. And, and Governor DeSantis had made a firm position on that uh, cruise ships were not going to mandate uh, vaccination passports to go on a cruise. But a federal judge has just overruled that. So it looks like Governor DeSantis has been overruled, which makes some sense. And not that I agree with it or disagree with it, just because of the a cruise that runs on international waters. So. I can see, you know, where a federal judge might have a different, uh, that oversight might be a little bit outside of Governor DeSantis's uh, jurisdiction. Uh, but on the good note for my husband is he may have be a little bit more, feeling a little bit more comfortable that he's going to get that cruise. On a sad note is, is that uh, medical freedom is going out the door. And uh, if you're wanting to, participate on um, entertainment, if you're wanting to go on a cruise, if you're wanting to, and depending on what state you're in, if you're wanting to even go out and eat or go to the grocery store, I mean, it's gotten a little crazy on uh, how some of these states are, are mandating these passports, these vaccine passports. And I'm kind of sitting back and I talked about this a little bit last week on one of the podcasts waiting for the civil rights action on this, because this is definitely going to be more adversely impactful to the Latino and black populations as they are not vaccinated at the higher percentage rate as most Caucasians are. So I'm waiting to see when someone is going to file charges or make this an issue because it's definitely, it definitely should be. But I, again, I'm for medical freedom for all people. Um, so even though, I mean, I had a little disagreement with my husband on this cruise ship on that, I can understand his concern about not wanting the cruise to get canceled. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't feel 
that uh, even with the FDA coming out miraculously approving this vaccination over the weekend, or at least that's what I think. I'm going to I'm going to chime in with you here, Brian. I know you don't not feeling real good, but did you read where they approved the vaccination over the weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the mandates are coming. Yeah, the FDA, uh, Fauci, made the comment that expect more mandates because uh, the FDA is approving the vaccinations. And I'm going, how is the FDA able to uh, approve these vaccinations uh, with so little time not knowing the possibilities of um and the outcomes as far as um, the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I just went a little brain dead here. But, uh, man, I hate when my brain leaves me, but it does that on a regular basis. Um, as far as the negative impact of the vaccine vaccinations, there was a PA that got on a, a school board meeting in Texas and I wished I would have saved this conversation, but man, he gave a lot of details that were going on. And one of the details he gave was why there's not very many vaccinated people dying of coronavirus uh, is because they're no longer reporting on vaccinated people dying of coronavirus. So that if vaccinated people die uh, of coronavirus, uh, it's just not being reported on. So that may be one of the positions, but he, and then he's talking about on how they're reporting deaths and, and uh, negative impacts of the vaccination is they're not being reported directly to the CDC. They're being reported to these manufacturers. And so we don't have an accurate account of how many people are being truly impacted by um the vaccinations. And so there's a lot of things. I mean, it's just, we're just not having the government being forthcoming with us and giving us all the information. And it's one thing, you know, people can say, oh, well, that's right wing conspiracy thing. But again, as I pointed out to people, uh, listen to Brett and Heather Weinstein on the Dark Horse podcast. These are not right wing people. These are liberals that are just as concerned about free speech and about the government being open and forthcoming with us on the information on the vaccinations so we can make informed decisions. Um, so anyway, a lot of, a lot of things out there, but uh, the military, you know, they were wanting to mandate the military to get the vaccinations, but they can't mandate the military, get the vaccinations unless it's FDA approved. And so I guess the FDA is fast tracking that and it's going to approve these vaccinations. So once they're approved, and the military can mandate it, corporations can mandate it. But my question is, is when they're mandated, who's going to be held accountable when there's a negative reaction? Who's going to pay the doctor bills and who's going to pay the families if they lose their loved one from a negative reaction to the vaccination? There seems to be no accountability there. So we'll be back in just a minute on the path forward Utah. But make sure if you're ever passing through Ogden, Utah, you step into Brixton's baked potato. Enjoy one of the best baked potatoes you've ever had or a fantastic salad or smoothie.
welcome back to the Path of Utah. I'm Jane Arenda, your host. Um, it's been nice to see some of the liberals out there actually defending liberal principles. And uh, so Bill Maher, not my favorite guy, but it's been nice to see Bill Maher out there actually defending freedom of speech, actually condemning critical race theory. He had, and I'm trying to, I wish I'd saved this. It was something I watched the other day and I wished I would have saved it. But uh, he had uh, Ben Shapiro on with another guy. I can't think what the guy's name is. It was a, uh, a black gentleman who was a professor. I think he was a professor somewhere. Uh, but Ben Shapiro gave, you know, really good overall view of what critical race theory was. And, and this guy responded that he agreed with, in definition, what Ben Shapiro's definition was. But he did so with this little arrogant um, attitude. And, uh, and, and then, you know, it was just... It, it 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 was just kind of interesting. So if you look up ben, uh, Bill Maher and this Ben Shapiro clip uh, in this conversation, because it was this type of dialogue that I thought Bill Maher was really good at it because he talked about, he said, Bill Maher said, you know, if you want to talk about, are there problems that we need to fix? Well, there are problems we need to fix. Are there problems in the black American community uh, that we need to address, you know, in poverty, in education, and not being represented in the STEM programs or in medical fields, or, you know, he, he, he lists a lot of different problems that definitely we need to look at and find solutions for. He said, but if you want to, and then Bill Maher comes back yet, but, you know, if you want to blame me because I'm white for something that happened to and talking to the other gentleman, something that happened to your grandfather, great-grandfather 400 years ago, or great-grandfather, then I'm not in for that. Uh, and I'm not in for the kids and people of today having guilt over that. Now, finding solutions for, you know, the problems that we're facing today, I'm all in for that. We can have discussions on that, and we need to find solutions for it. So, I mean, he really echoed a lot of my sentiment, is that... Uh, that there are real problems that we need to address and we need to fix. Uh, but unfortunately, the way they're going about it with this whole critical race theory is not going to fix any of those problems. It's going to create further divide and it's not going to bring any real resolution to helping people. And uh, so I appreciated Bill Maher coming out on that and uh, really uh saying, you know, if this is what critical race theory was about, was fixing this or acknowledging, you know, our history was about this or our history was about that, I'm all for that. And uh, and I think no one is opposed to us teaching adequate history. I mean, we, we have some bad history, but every nation does. And so I think we have to, again, even in teaching some of the unpleasant history in our country, we have to do it in perspective to a worldwide history of what was going on in the world at that time. You can't, you can't take isolated history and make it sound like America was the only one that was participating in, in, in these activities. And so therefore, you know, we're this bad, horrible place. You have to put it in perspective of what was taking place worldwide and um, we had an event on Thursday night that Senator John Johnson, our state senator, spoke at. 
and it was part of our program, the Path Forward Utah sponsored it. And uh, it was on critical race theory. And he was talking about that. In, and I wish, you know, I, sh- I should have just recorded it and or at least taken better notes. But I- I'm just going to try to summarize what he was saying. He goes, you know, and, and there was a day in um, in our history in which in order to get additional financial gain, you had to go in and you had to take over a nation and you had to pillage their um, <clears throat> their communities, you know, take their resources in order to get the financial gain from that. And, uh, but then we, with the manufacturing, with the technology that it no longer became that is that you could create wealth without necessarily. And, and so he was talking about that. It wasn't again, during this time frame in which America was found. And I mean, you had nations that were, you know, going and it wasn't just European nations. It was all nations that was, that were trying to overtake other nations. And there's a lot of wars and or negotiations and pacts on for financial gain for, um, for the, their nations or for their Kings or the Queens or their royalty. And, um, but once, um, once we created, Oh man, my brain is hurting today. Um, our economic, our uh, industrial revolution uh, in which we could then uh, mass produce and create goods and other things at such a a competitive um, rate, we we started creating wealth. And the same, you know, he mentioned Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook is that Mark Zuckerberg didn't take money from anyone to create what he did. Now, none of us necessarily like Mark Zuckerberg or think he's uh, did anything of value in the sense that he's a good person or he did something that he wanted to truly do something good for people, but he saw that that people had a need or something that he could exploit, if you will, uh, in connecting with people. And he provided a service for that, which has made him amassed him million billions of dollars. And but he didn't take something from others in order to gain that he created wealth with an ideal or a concept. And so anyway, I, I, I like the way that John Johnston was explaining that, because we're trying to go back with a lot of critical race theory on today's economy and apply yesterday's economics to today's economics um, with a lot of that theory there, because wealth is created now. It's not necessarily where it's not a net sum game. It's not, um, you know, for me to gain, somebody else has to lose. Um, that every everybody can has the potential of creating and and being successful. I mean, the American dream is there for people. Now we're going to tax it out of maybe uh, being much of an American dream if we're not careful. But um, anyway, I, I, I like the way he explained this, and I wished I had taken better notes so I could have articulated that better. But I liked, you know, when he was talking about that, yes, we were at a time in the beginning of American history, and not just in the beginning, but throughout history up until the time where we had the Industrial Revolution and now the Technology Re- Revolution, where wealth is now created 
versus it was something that we had to conquer a nation in order to take their wealth and uh, to build onto the wealth of, you know, the nation that was conquering. So it, it, it is a totally different place. And so, again, as we teach history, we have to teach it in perspective to what was going on at the world at that time. So we can't take situations and just isolate it and say, look at what America did. Isn't this horrible? Now we can teach it and we should teach it and we should put things in, but we just have to teach in perspective. So no one is against teaching American history and teaching what took place in America, even the negative aspects of what happened in America, but let's teach them in a way that we, this is what happened and this is where we learned and this is how we move forward. And this is how we became a more perfect nation. And uh, and this is what we've been able to do as we move forward. And we've been one of the greatest experiments that's ever happened in humanity. And we've been able to uplift the entire world around us. And so we have to put it in that perspective as we teach even the negative aspects of our history. So anyway, um, let me go on. I had a couple more little topics that I was, uh, oh man, I had, a, I got to take better notes before I get on here. Uh, it's been one of those weekends. Well, um, I'm going to just kind of go off on another tangent while I'm trying to find the article I was wanting to discuss is that we are making good headway on moving forward on getting I've talked about this and it's kind of, we've had a few bumps in the road on getting Blacks at Utah up and going here. And uh, we have now a new, uh, a new state director. His name is John Harvey and uh, John Harvey does a podcast called the modern modern day conservative. And it is a fantastic podcast, but John Harvey is going to be our new state director. And then uh, we have Dr. Gary Thompson, we, myself as assistant state director. And uh, anyway, we've got a really good team together. We're going to take our time getting it uh, laid out. But uh, I went to an event the other night in Salt Lake and met with our attorney general, Sean Reyes, who's going to we're going to set up different um, different committees within uh, Blackset. Blackset has five different pillars that we're going to be working on. One of them is prison and judicial reform. So we have a few people I've spoken to. Our former uh, chief of police here, Randy Watt, who is going to uh, probably be on this committee, and um, our attorney general, and we're going to get a few others. And then we're also going to get balanced out with people who actually been in the prison system and just have some really good open discussions on what we can do to better improve our prison systems. And when I say improve, I mean, make it where they can be re, really rehabilitate people, what we can do to curb our crime rate and change people where they can be productive citizens and uh, not make everything, you know, always punitive, but uh, make it where it's corrective and, uh, and help people. And, uh, and so as a pro-life conservative, I think we have to look at all life in that same viewpoint that we should, you know, have that expectation to trying to value all life. And so in our prison system, I don't see it any different is that we should look at that and think, how, how are we going to help people rehabilitate themselves and become the best people that they can become 
and become contributing members of society and be able to return to their families. And so we have to find good solutions uh, to create that atmosphere in which that can happen. And we can't just have strictly housing facilities because we definitely do have um, too many people in prison, but we don't want this pendulum to swing like we've seen it this past year where we have people that are being arrested for crimes and being let right back on, out on the streets. Uh, it's it's got to be a deterrent uh, for crime, but at the same time, it has to be something that allows people to make those corrections in their life and, and return back and be contributing members of society. So that's one of them, uh, reaching out and trying to get real educational reform. And at this point, I don't know, how do you go about abolishing the teachers union? And I think one of the ways you go about doing it is just creating such a massive reform of educational choice, um, charter schools and vouchers that perhaps the public schools become um, almost non-existent. I don't know, but we've got to do something where the, the teachers unions do not have the power uh, that they have, where they can force uh, not just where we keep bad teachers on, and uh, they have so much control over um, I'm trying to think of all the, but I, I guess the biggest issue we're fighting right now is the indoctrination on how, what they feel should be taught to our kids and what parents' rights are. That, I mean, I think we could stomach a lot of the things the teachers' unions have done over the years, and there's definitely always a good aspect of a union. Uh, to protect the rights of the workers, but they have definitely overstepped that into complete control over the education of our children and have overtaken parents' rights on that. So I think the best way to send a message is complete educational freedom and vouchers and charter schools. And I don't know, we've got to, but even at that, we've got to find some way uh, to to minimize the, the impact that the teachers unions have on our educational system. So anyway, that's going to take a lot of brains going together, but, uh, but it's not just teachers unions. I mean, I look at the unelected government officials, uh, one of the Republican uh, senators, I can't think of which one uh, was trying to get some information um, and they wouldn't give it back down. It was on the redacted emails of governor Fauci. And uh, so the, Redacted emails went out, but the for the Congress, the House and Senators, they weren't supposed to be redacted, but they couldn't get those unredacted emails and they weren't cooperating with them, even though technically by the law they're supposed to. And so, again, it's this the unelected officials in our government seem to have no accountability, whether it's the FBI, the CIA or just the staff. I don't know what it is. And then we hear these outrageous amounts of money. A friend of mine that's been working on some actions here in Utah just had to come up with $10,000 for freedom of information request. I mean, that just seems like an outrageous amount of money for freedom. It's something that should be available to the public. Um, I could see for photocopying expense or other things, and maybe some at $10,000, another woman uh, out east uh, who was upset about her 
kindergartner being exposed to some critical race theory asked for some freedom of information uh, request and was charged $75,000. And then now uh, the school, the teachers unions are actually uh, coming in with a lawsuit to prohibit her from getting any information, even with the Freedom of Information Act and with the the paying of the $75,000. So anyway, these unelected government entities and unions um, just have so much control that it makes you wonder. I mean, we get frustrated with our elected officials sometimes, but then I wonder how their hand, you know, their hands are so tied if they can't even get the information that they're requesting that they have the right to have. And so I was, I was telling a couple of people, you know, over the weekend, um, it's not enough to have and get the right people in office anymore. You have to have very, very active citizen groups that are not just holding our government officials um, accountable, but are assisting our government officials. We have to have some active citizens groups that are out there assisting our government officials in order for them to get their jobs done. So, again, that's where the Path Forward Utah and our uh, encouragement of becoming the best people that we can be and finding the opportunities that we can find in our lives to do our part as citizens of this great country. And to stay off Facebook a little bit maybe not watch your favorite television program or your least favorite television program that you watch, whatever it is, find that extra hour in the day, half hour in the day and, uh, or three hours during the week, whatever, however you want to allot that time to serve in your community, to attend that city council meeting, uh, to do some research, to maybe, you know, help your elected official out on a project or to make them more aware, you know, you got to understand that these, especially on a state basis, uh, this is part-time job. Our state legislators, House members, and Senate, uh, and they're not, uh, I mean, they're just everyday people with families and uh, with jobs and careers. And so they can't be specialists at every topic. So if you really want your congressman or your senator, state senator, somebody to know your county commissioner, and you're passionate about something, put a packet together, you know, get information together and get it to them. Make it easy on them to understand an issue that you're really passionate about that's important. Get them all the information at hand, call them up and um, and be part of that process. Uh, if we're going to if we're going to make it through this, you know, this time that we're going to we're being faced with and will continue to be faced with. It is going to take all of us working together as a team and our elected officials are going to need our support uh, to get crucial bills passed to hold our unelected government officials accountable. And uh, so anyway, that's just kind of my spill on that. I don't know. I went on my tangent because I couldn't find this article. I was wanting to read and I still can't find it, but uh the big motorcycle group, I, I, Brian kind of whispered in my ear a minute ago about Sturgis, and it, that's held in North uh, South Dakota, isn't it? Brian, is that held in South Dakota? North Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah, it's, it's this little town of like 7,000 people, and they're supposed to be like 70,000 or 700,000. I mean, it's an outrageous number. 600,000, it's going to be one of the biggest events that they've had of these, of these motorcycle groups. 
And uh, now the problem is, is that these aren't sophisticated vaccinated people. So the COVID virus knows how to get to these people. And uh, so anyway, we, they've got to keep an eye on these people. So uh, hopefully, you know, um, that uh, it's going to be a fantastic event for these freedom loving people that are out celebrating and uh, somehow uh, hopefully there's going to be some people standing up for them being sophisticated at least. And maybe some of them are vaccinated, some of them aren't. But uh, the Delta variant doesn't seem to care if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. So matter of fact, there's been some studies that uh, vaccinated are getting at a higher rate than them vaccinated. So maybe these Sturgis people are in a safer position than the, the, the sophisticated vaccinated crowd were at Obama's birthday party. But uh I get, I have a daughter that's very hypervigilant and very concerned, and I totally get why she is. This is a scary time because I had a neighbor a couple of weeks ago. He's just in his young 40s that passed away from COVID virus. He was overweight. I hope he got the shot because, you know, if you have comorbidities like he did, he was severely overweight. He probably should have got the uh, vaccination just to be on the safe side, but I, I'm thinking he probably didn't. Um, but this is a serious virus, and I'm not going to minimize the seriousness of the virus. I'm going to kind of question to where the virus came from. But nonetheless, it is still it's here and it's what we're dealing with. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to go with freedom over fear uh, seven days a week. Uh, we have to we have to embrace our freedoms, even uh, even if they're is some consequence involved in protecting our freedoms. So anyway, I'm going to stick with, you know, this, this crowd that's out there in South Dakota celebrating their freedoms and of 600,000 motorcycle groups getting together to, uh, to rally and to enjoy one another. You know, hopefully there's a significant number that are vaccinated and they're doing so they can enjoy their freedom safely but uh, I think we've got to, we've just got to stand up against, you know, somebody was uh, giving New Zealand or something uh, kudos because they just shut everything down. Now, maybe, you know, everybody's going to have to see what works, but America is not the same as some of these smaller countries. We can't have the same solution. So we're just going to have to get through one day at a time. Everybody's going to have to decide what's best for them on how they're going to navigate it. Uh, I am a freedom loving individual, so I'm going to go out and I think I just get too severely impacted if uh, I was trying to be more homebound every day. Other people, however, you know, their anxiety may be greater if they're out in public. So everybody's got to make a decision on how they're going to use their freedom uh, at this time. But don't try to override other people's freedoms on your fear. Uh, you make the best decisions for yourself and for your family and let other people make the best decisions for themselves and their families. And again, I, I support that with businesses as well. I may not like that cruise ships want to mandate vaccination passports, but if that's what they need to do to stay in business, I'm going to support them. I want to go on a cruise. I'm going to support 
cruise ships being able to mandate vaccinations so they can stay in business. Uh, if grocery stores want to mandate it, you know, each business to their own. Let's respect businesses' freedoms to make the best decisions for themselves, individuals, and let's make it through this time in American history and world history the best way we can by respecting one another and each other's freedoms. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the Pathboard Utah with uh, Ryan Woods and AKA Token Black Guy Joel. And uh, it's going to be a, a great experience tomorrow. So make sure you tune in tomorrow at 10 o'clock for Ryan Woods.